Thank you for joining us online at Hauser Community Church. Directly after the message, we'll tell you how to contact us if you have any questions. Now let's join the speaker as he begins his sermon. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you that we can sing joy to the world because, Jesus, you did come. You do rule with grace and truth. We thank you, Lord, for your, your mercy. We thank you for your faithfulness every minute of every day, through every storm, through every season of life. Our desire, God, is to bring you glory in all that we do, whether it's here this morning, uh, worshiping together corporately, or as we leave, or in our homes, or at, in the public eye, or where the public eye can't see, Lord, we desire to glorify you. Lord, grant us eyes that are always fixed on you. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's often times in our lives that we seek to steal your glory. We seek to give away your glory. We so easily fall away from you in sin. But Lord, you tell us if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for that truth that we can rest in. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that in Jesus Christ we are washed clean. Lord, we also come to you and ask that you would comfort the Wayland family today as they um, celebrate the life of Virginia, as they grieve with hope. I thank you that they are able to gather together and and remember what a wonderful, godly life she led. And I just pray, Lord, that we can look to her and see um, something in our lives that we could turn and do to reflect you just like she did, Lord. I just pray for your comfort for the family. I pray as friends and family come in today that you would bring them in safely and help us to uh, remember and to grieve with hope that Virginia is with her Savior and that we will one day see her again. Lord, we thank you for making it possible for the family to gather. We also thank you for Scott and Leslie Walt being here this morning and uh, from Austria. Lord, I, I praise you for all that you've been doing, the, the wonderful work you've been doing that we will hear about this morning. And uh, we just, we're humbled to be a small part of your grand plan of redemption that you are making all things new, and we, we thank you, Lord, for building your church so faithfully. May you continue to bless their ministry in a mighty way, Lord. I pray for Scott as he comes and, and brings your word, Lord, that you would, you would uh, fill him with your spirit, that you would strengthen him, that you would give him a clear mind and, and boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, faith to apply your word and confidence that you are building your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in your precious name. Jesus, amen. 
Well, it is my privilege this morning to um, welcome back Scott and Leslie. They're here from Austria. Um, they've been part of this church for 33 years, Scott reminded me yesterday. And that's just wonderful, um, wonderful. So I welcome Scott, and he will bring us this wor- the well, word this morning. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, unexpectedly, uh, we have been locked out of this country, the United States, for the past two years almost, and we were told um, just a couple of months ago, 1st of October, that it would be impossible for us to come to the United States this fall, and, uh, but here we are. God does things, and, and thus the passage, not just because of that, because of many reasons, in thinking about the whole concept of the life God wants us to live, and the significance of these verses in James chapter 4, and I'll try to unpack that a little as we go along, where, um, where it starts out. And in my translation, the, the, the first words in James chapter 4, verse 13, now listen, listen, listen. Are you listening? There's something to be said that you need to hear. And these are the words. Why do you say, I'm going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and this, and this? Why do you do that? You say that, and you do, don't you? I do. Do you do that? We're going to do this, and this, and this, and this, and then it goes on to say, but you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. There are people here, and not just a couple, there are people here this morning who had no idea three weeks ago that they'd be sitting here. Isn't that true? You had absolutely no idea. And if someone had told you three weeks ago you're going to be sitting here on this Sunday morning, you'd say, I don't understand. No, and you didn't back then, did you? You didn't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But there is someone who does. Isn't there? There was someone who knew three weeks ago that you were going to be here this morning. We did not know that we would be having a memorial service for Leslie's mother this afternoon. My wife, Leslie, and her mother this afternoon. God knew. And it was part of God's plan in all of that. You do not know. But isn't it wonderful to know that there is one who does know and your life will, if we, if, what does God want us to do? If he's saying um, you don't know what to do, that's, that wouldn't be your typical high school graduation message, would it? You know, what do we tell our graduating seniors? Follow your dreams. Create your own destiny. Don't let anyone hold you back. You can be what you want to be if you really put your mind to it, right? Have you ever heard a graduation speech where they say, listen, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? You don't. So don't don't even say, I'm going to do this. If the Lord wills and we live, and what is the whole message of the scriptures. We don't know, but someone else is. So the challenge is not to create your own destiny, but what has David said? King David, who had such an important role in the salvation history, simply said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then what did he say after that? He what? He leads. He leads. 
He leads. And God does. And we are all part. If you know Jesus Christ and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are are a part of a salvation history and plan that has been going on since the Garden of Eden, which was planned before the foundation of the world, the scriptures say. And you are a part of that. And this plan, it's, and it's not about, our thinking is about my life and about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to achieve and what I'm going to experience in life. We, we tend, all of us, we tend to, to look at ourselves as the center of the universe, don't we? And everything that revolves around us. And try to make yourself as significant as possible in the eyes of the other people around you. And God's message is, you are part of something grand and big and wonderful beyond yourself. And what he wants us to do is to find that. And then to allow him to lead us. God is, God is doing something wonderful in this whole world. Jesus says, I will build my church. This is him. This is his plan. And what do we say? Here am I. Here, it's his plan. It's finding, it's walking in that. And when we begin to discover what God is doing, and simply by saying, here am I, then some pretty amazing and wonderful things begin to happen. And if you are here this morning, Either you're a part of Hauser Community Church, this is your church home, or you're visiting because you have some connection to Russ and Virginia Wayland. But either way, whichever reason, you're connected to something, whether you're here for this reason or for this reason, you're connected to something that began in Austria in the 1940s. Whether you know it or not, you are. Part of God's plan, you have been drawn into this in some way, shape, or form, and there's certainly people here who don't realize this, but I'd like to tell you about it. And it began in, 19, in the 1940s, the late 1940s, right after World War II, which was a brutal time in Europe, in Austria. And then there is a, a, a county to the south of the city of Vienna, which was occupied for 10 years after the Great War, World War II, sorry. After World War II, it was occupied by a brutal, oppressive army for 10 years. And in the context of that, there was a woman, there were actually two, who were seeking God. They went to the church, the only church at the time, the Roman Catholic Church, they sat and they listened to the mass being read in Latin. And I don't know how many of you understand Latin, but if everything that happened this morning was in Latin, I don't know how much you would take home with you as for personally. But this was the situation there. They had no concept of salvation through Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. They had no concept of that. But you know what happened? One of those ladies found a Bible. And they shared this together, and they read it. And they came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. They'd never heard these things before, ever. And they started to pray. This was the late 1940s. You know what they prayed for? They read the book of Acts. Imagine that. And when you read the book of Acts, you read about Paul and Barnabas. And what do you read? 
that they were sent to go out and preach the gospel to people who had never heard and to plant churches. And they read this, and they started to pray. And they said, Lord, send us people, missionaries, to come and to preach and to teach us and, and plant a church here and to raise up a church here in this community, in this county, that will impact the whole county. They began to pray this in the late 1940s. God, raise up and send missionaries. Not quite 10 years later, they'd been praying for nearly 10 years, my wife was born, Leslie Wayland. And shortly after that, I was born and came into the world. And they had been praying nearly 10 years. There was nothing and no one there. It was just the two of them. And they were praying that the Lord would send them someone. And we were, we were born. They prayed another 10 years plus. And at the age of 13, my age, I was 13, God encountered me in a, in a profound and powerful way where suddenly... I had a, a, an understanding and experience of my sinfulness that just broke me, crushed me. I was a nice kid from a good Christian home. Went, grew up in church just like this. And God met me. And I got down on my knees and cried out to God for the forgiveness of sins. And I committed my life to Christ. And I said, Lord, I, my life belongs to you. They'd been praying for over 20 years at that point, and there was no one there in Austria. And when I stood up, the Lord did something wonderful. I, I had such a desire, such a passion to know Christ. You know, have you, have you ever been encouraged to read your Bible and pray? You ever heard that? You know, it's important to read your Bible and pray. If I tell you that right now, it won't be the first time you've heard it. And you know something? If I tell you this right now, you need to read your Bible and pray. You're, just, you're not going to go home and spend the whole afternoon reading your Bible and praying. You know that, and it's okay, but it's not going to motivate you to spend the whole afternoon reading the Bible and praying, will it? Something got a hold of me, and that's what I did. I read the Bible and memorized the scriptures. My parents didn't know all that was going on, but this, this happened. I was 13. But you know, there, now it had been 25 years, and there were women in Austria, too, praying that the Lord would prepare and, and bring someone. And man, I studied the scriptures, I memorized the scriptures, and then the Lord brought a youth pastor, and he started to bring people in my life, and a best friend, amazing people who just, who just decided to build into my life and to train me as a teenager. I mean, intensive training. My youth leader, had just, he'd just come back from Vietnam, but he was from Bible school and seminary. He went to Western. And, uh, and he, just says, he just wanted to give me everything that he'd gotten from Bible school. And, and I was so hungry, and I wanted that. And so by the time I hit 17, I preached my first sermon. And they had been praying for 30 years. And right as I was preaching my first sermon, the first missionaries showed up in that county in Austria, 1975. Same time. 
And these missionaries came and they, they devoted their life. They joined this prayer group with these women and they prayed and prayed together. And one woman came to Christ in those five years. And then they wrapped up and, and their time, their five years serving there, and they left and moved on. And right at that time, the Lord spoke just before that, the year before that, the Lord spoke powerfully to a young woman, Leslie Wayland, and really touched her heart and drew her into a, 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 a conviction of sin. It was the same type of thing that I'd experienced, a deep conviction of sin, and then a powerful sense of committing her life to Christ. Those women then had been praying 30 years. And they were praying. And there was Leslie. And there was Scott. And where I was going in my career, in my relationships, there was another relationship, another woman that I was pursuing. But the Lord weaves. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. And I found out, I, I kept having my own dreams, my own directions, my own goals. And I was consistently butting up against these, these walls, these inward spiritual walls. It's like, I want to go this direction. But he leads, he leads, and he's calling this direction. So to give up this relationship and then be freed up to move into another relationship, and I had no idea that there were these women praying. Who, who could? They're praying in Austria, Lord, send someone. And here then in 1979, I came over for the first time in, in May in the little house over here um, with some friends to meet uh, this couple for the first time, Russ and Virginia Wayland. That was 1979. Because I had gotten to know their daughter, and she had such a, a passion to know Christ and to follow Christ. And I, I recognized this is what's been missing through all my other romantic relationships up to that point. Really nice girls. Good Christian girls. But the passion and the connection. God has plans to marry her. To come into this family and I had no idea at that point. But in order, the, the whole plan of what has happened in Austria through these years was completely connected to this family that I was married into. Russ and Virginia always prayed that one of their daughters would be a missionary. Didn't you? That one of their daughters would be a missionary. You know, does everyone do that? Why, did, why would they do that? Well, there's these women in Austria praying for a missionary, right? They were. So somebody's got to have that on their heart to say, yeah, not you weren't thinking Austria, obviously, you, but, but to say we would give up one. This is profound. And then to come into this church, that was 1979, and there's Russ's sister. 
then with her husband here at the church, Jeannie and Mel, in this family that I suddenly was connected, that we were connected with, and thinking God is working in our lives, and that began a journey. And the ladies continued to pray, and they continued to pray, and we thought we should go to South America as medical missionaries. I'm an optometrist, Leslie's a nurse, uh, but again, a doors. Wonderful things, good people, good work. No, no, no. Ah, and then finally, the call comes. Come to Austria. Not from these women, but from someone else, my former youth pastor who was there. Come and minister there. Wow, is this crazy? Is this right? The family said yes. We talked to Mel and Jeannie. And the others at the church, not just them, but the others, we're thinking about this. We're praying about this. And, and we had decided to go through a situation where we wouldn't join a mission organization, but we would be sent from churches. And we had a primary sending church in Portland, and we, we just came and shared with the church. That was 1979. We came, Mel invited us and, and gave us the chance to share, and we did. And the church said, we believe, we agree, and we will be involved in sending you and supporting you. That was 33 years ago, and the church has done that. Sorry, 80. That was in 87. I switched it. That was in 87, that that, that that conversation. And not just that, there was one other church, because there's more Waylands than just, than just Russ and, uh, and Jeannie. Um, the next one in line was on Kamano Island, right? And, and they heard what was going on. And Bill, I'm looking at Bill, he's sitting there, Jeannie's younger brother, one of them. And, um, and, and they said, come and share what, what the Lord has laid on your heart. They invited us. And after that, they said, we would like to be involved in this. We believe and we want to be a part of this. And they were involved, three churches were involved in sending us. And to this day, 33 years later, Camino Chapel still supports and is part of this 33 years later. That was, that was 87, right? Please, <laughs> keep me on track here. That we were, by that time, those women had been praying almost exactly 40 years. And we went out together. Now, if you keep going, you know, there's another Wayland, Richard. He and Sue have a part of this. And the last of the living Waylands, Ruth and her husband, Bob, just returned from Austria two days ago, right? Staying in our house, being part. There's a connection here. Have you, have you picked up on that? How significant was it for me to marry into this family and that this family through these churches then would be so key? And these women at that point had prayed for 40 years, and we were not going to go to that county. We were going to go, we go to the city, the big city, Vienna, where all the people are, and be there. And we were planning on going there, but by accident, we ended up in this little church. In Baden, just for a year, we were learning language. It wasn't planned, but the Lord led us there for a year. Learn German 
And then the time came, we just sat there. We had no ministry. We were just learning the language. And then the year came for us to transfer to Vienna and to start a new church in Vienna. And we were just weeks away from that. And a Wednesday night Bible study that I attended more of a language learning exercise than anything else. And there were, this was the church Bible study on Wednesday night. And it was just you guys, five in a row. Okay? That was it. That was the group. And for whatever reason, whoever was supposed to lead the study did not show up. And so they just said, you do it. And I said, you know, my German is just grade school level. Doesn't matter. We'll help you. So they did. Something happened that night. The next, the next time, the whole group that were meeting, see, it had grown since these women had prayed, and now it was like you three rows here. That was the church. Met in the living room of an apartment. Those are the people who had come to Christ since these women had been praying for 40 years. They all came that evening, and they just said, do it again. Last week was really good. Do the same thing because these guys didn't get on it. So I did. I did it again. And afterwards, there were, there were two, past, two elder pastors. They were both new believers, but that's all there was there. It was this group. And they came up to me afterwards, and they said, it's you. You, plural. You're the ones we've been praying for. You're the ones. We want you to stay and join us. We didn't know you could teach the Bible. Who knew? Will you stay? And we did. And we joined this group. We joined this group. That was in 88. And we joined this prayer time at this woman's house every Sunday night. We got together to pray that people would come to Christ. And she always prayed for young people. Lord, young people to come to Christ. And may these young people who come to Christ, and she always prayed specifically, she said, that they would be fully committed to Christ, single-minded in their devotion, that they would be pure and holy in their lives, and that they would impact this county. Now we're talking a county of 120,000 people. And this is the group of the whole county that meets together to study the scriptures who know God personally. That was it for the whole county. And they were praying. And we did. We joined them. And we joined this prayer time. And we went 10 years where we fully involved in it and a couple of people came to Christ. So we would come back. We were back in 92. We went to Camino Chapel. We came here to Hauser. And we, you know, share about all this great ministry. Well, you know, we've been there for four years and, you know, that's it. We're carrying on. And, and the church here and also in Camino was very understanding. It's not like, well, gee, you know, we're not getting much return for our investment here. Let's, let's perhaps look for a better. But they didn't. They prayed for it. That was a really tough time in 92. They prayed for us. They were again. And, uh, and again, our family, but also the church here, the time we spent personally with Mel and Jeannie, and Bill and Gail then, it was, it was just profound and encouraging, carry on. And we prayed, and we prayed. Then came the later 90s, this woman 
had been praying 50 years by that time. And she got sick. She was 82, had been praying 50 years, and she got cancer. She's in the hospital, so I went, sister, what a wonderful life, 50 years, go in peace. And she says, I'm not going. <laughs> she said, pray that the Lord heals me. And you've, a lot of you have heard this, but she did. She said, pray that the Lord heals me. And I said, what, what, what's the matter? Are you afraid to die? She said, no, of course not. To, go, to be with the Lord is better. But she says, I still have something to do. She did nothing in the church that was public. The only thing she did, the only thing she did, the only thing, the real thing, the key thing she did was pray. The Lord healed her. Who knew? I was surprised. Great faith, of course. So that's why people always ask me to pray for healing, because even if I don't believe it, at least there's one instance, the Lord healed her. He had something, and they prayed. She lived another nine years. And on the day she died, it was the Saturday before Easter, from that little group, nine years later, those last nine years, it was Saturday before Easter, and we were having a training day at our church. And it was Full. I was teaching, and it was full of young people. We had 60-some on that day who came out on Easter Saturday for the whole day to, be, to have intensive teaching and intensive training as part of, of something that had been going on at that point for a number of years because what had happened in that time while that woman was praying before the Lord took her, the doors just broke open and young people began to flow into the church. They got saved. And they got saved out often out of homes where their parents weren't believers, at least half of them more. But they came to Christ. And they came hungry, and they came passionate and focused for the most part. And we did, and, and they would say, oh, youth group. Youth group was, was several hours of, of worship and teaching and fellowship, and they said, we want more. We want more. They came to us. We want more. And you know something? People have always asked, you know, what's the secret of this? But you need to know something. You cannot make people hungry. You can just feed them, right? Well, how do you make people hungry? You don't. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, right? And there had been someone praying. Now it was 60 years that God would raise up young people with this type of commitment. And they had started alone, and we had joined them. And all the years you prayed, all the years that Hauser, all the years that Camino, all the years that the Whalen family prayed and joined that group of prayer, something unique in Austria, in that generation, happened. And they were hungry, and we fed them, and we trained them. And the interesting thing was... That's what happened to me. The Lord awoke me when I was 13, and I went through this intensive home-based training, and 
believe it or not, I kind of knew what to do with all these high school kids who really wanted this intense discipleship. Who knew? Who would think? Well, you know, there were these women praying for all these years for just this. And if it hadn't been for my wife, and if it hadn't been for the Waylands, if it hadn't been for, for Hauser, if it hadn't been for Camino Chapel, it was as if God orchestrated all of this. Can you believe it? It's, yes. it's kind of like the stuff you read in the Bible, isn't it? It's just amazing when you look back and when you think about it. And the fact, of course, the churches here, you people were so encouraged and so supportive, but you'd gone through the years when it was hard and dry and entered in so that, so that then when the harvest comes, there's a real joy because of all the years that were so hard before that. And the Lord did it, and it was a special and a powerful thing. And out of that... Out of that desire, the Lord gave us, and, and this was part of what she prayed for too, unusually gifted people. We raised up from this first group something like over 25 preachers who went out of this group. Trained them. One of them is sitting here this morning, all the way from Texas. That's where he ended up, from this church in Austria. That's where he preaches. They went out and did that. And they started as teenagers. He started at 16. That's when he preached his first message. Talking about my son, David, who happens to be sitting out there, sitting over there from Texas. And he was just one of the group that the Lord raised up. And it was, it was a, a profound and a significant thing. But this is, this is us. This is what the Lord has done through us and through you folks and your involvement in this. Because... How can they believe? This is Romans 10. How can they believe unless they hear? How, how will they hear unless someone comes and preaches to them? And how will someone come and preach to them unless they are sent? And there's things about, okay, we're the sent ones, but in order to be sent, they have to be what? Senders, right? And it happened on a church level, this church is part of that, and it happened on a family level. And, and people, people who have been here through all these years, people who have been part of it, maybe for just a, a section, not the whole 33 years, looking at you two there, John and Candy. And, and to say, this is your legacy. This is something that the Lord brought you into in order to make all this possible, something that he was weaving together, something, you didn't join this church in order to be part of a ministry in Austria. You didn't. It's just something that, that the Lord did that you've inherited as a blessing that's a wonderful thing. And you're part of a profound spiritual heritage, as are you as a family as are you of, of churches. This is something wonderful that God is doing and weaving together. Not something we intend to do or plan to do. It's God's plan. And just to say, Lord, here am I. You're weaving things together that are beyond my understanding and comprehension. And in the 20 years since that, um, there has just been profound growth and profound multiplication and that has gone out church planted, other things that have gone on. The Lord has drawn in Bob and Ruth to be part of that through the refugee ministry. And that was another thing that happened in our county 
then the refugee ministry. But I, I just want to tell you one last thing is when this woman, she died on Easter Saturday, but two months before that, we, we moved into an old factory that became our church home, and we renovated it, and we had a dedication service. It was about this time of year. It was winter, cold. The roof leaked. There was very little heating, and she attended. She'd been ill, but she attended. This sister who'd been there from the beginning, and, and she was wrapped up in such, you couldn't even see her. You just see furry things. And, uh, but we said to her, Sister, do you want to say a word? Do you want to, do you want to say something? She said, no, I want to pray. And that was her. She never said anything in the church, but she prayed. And she took that microphone, and you couldn't see anything about her. You could just see this microphone sticking out of a furball. She was so frail, but I tell you, she belted out a prayer with, with strength and volume, and she said, Lord, thank you for this. This is a beginning. This is a beginning. And Lord, these young people are here. May they serve you single-mindedly. And may they go out and impact the community. And you two who are sitting there who are, who are part of that are part of that blessing that she, that she prayed, my daughter as well, um, that's sitting with my son. Part of that, growing up and being part of that blessing to go out and to reach others. It's profound. That's part of your blessing. I told you, we told you last time we were here four years ago, about then how God prepared us to be a, have a special role in this incredible wave of refugees that came, Afghanis and Iranians, that came from the Muslim world. Who knew? I was not prepared for, for ministry to people coming out of Islam. That's not even on our radar. And suddenly, the streets around our church are full. They're just, every, they came in a very short time, thousands of them. And Christ had met them on the way. I told you this four years ago. He had met them on the way. So many of these, they were primarily young men, um, often between 16 and what, 20, Bob, would you say? About? And they came, and what they wanted is they wanted to know can you give me a Bible and can you tell me about Jesus? These are people who'd grown up in Islam repressive regimes. Can you, can you tell me? Can you share? Amazing. And the Lord had prepared us for that. And that was an incredible wave where hundreds and hundreds came to faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord, this, these women had prayed and we'd continued to pray, Lord, make us a blessing for this whole area. And the last thing I shared with you four years ago was that uh, out of this, the ones, the couple that the Lord sent us in advance, Bob and Ruth, were involved in, uh, in discipling them when they first came to Christ. Um, was, it was he became a leader in this group. He's the one who came to me five years ago and said... There's something coming, and persecution is coming. Can you study the Bible with me? Everything the Bible says about persecution and suffering so that I'm prepared personally and I can prepare to lead others through persecution. And so we did. 
That's where I left you in the story four years ago. It was, and it was profound. And we did. Do you know how much, by the way, the Bible speaks about suffering and persecution? Even when you go into the Old Testament and the people of God, it's kind of a main theme. If you ever sit down and read the Bible through just with that thought, you'll be astounded. Suffering and persecution. So we spent all that time. And you know, okay, great. It's in a time where there isn't much for us as, as Austrians. You know, for, for those coming out of Islam, yes, that's, that's real and, and right there. But for us in Austria, it was, okay, well, we're prepared for the future. But, but things were happening. God was stirring and preparing us. And, and, and he, Ali, he kept coming to me because the Lord would appear to him in visions, which I constantly confirmed it was happening. And, you know, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is directing. And, um, and finally, the idea, we have to be prepared here. So the end of 2019, you remember those times? That was back when life seemed completely normal. And it did. But still, we had a sense, I had a sense, and we'd been teaching more and more on preparation for persecution. And these verses, it was in September of 2019 that this was the passage I was going to preach on in our church in Baden. Now listen, today or tomorrow, you who say this, we're going to go to the city, we're going to do this and that, carry on business. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So I was on the way to church on Sunday morning. We live, a, what, a 10-minute walk? Yeah. Bob and Ruth have been living in our house. That's why referring to them to help me. My memory's not what it used to be. Ten-minute walk. So, I'm on my way. I'm about halfway there. Meditating. Your life is like mist. The Lord holds it in his hand. And suddenly, uh, my heart went out of rhythm. And uh, atrial fibrillation is my self-diagnosis. And, uh, and it, it sped up enormously, but it was out of rhythm. It never happened. But I'm just meditating on these verses, and I just thought, well, this is ironic. Okay, game on. What, what's going on here? Something unique. So what do I do? Well, obviously, you call 911. That's like, but first, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. Well, except when he doesn't, except when I know what to do, which is almost all the time. So... He only leads me when I ask him, when I'm confused, but most of the time I know what I want to do or what I intend to do. But at that moment, I just said, Lord, what are you doing? What do I do? And it's, to me, it was so clear. Continue on to the church. So I did. I, w I went to church. Well, I was halfway between there. I didn't call 911. And I came in. And we, you know, we have a stage like this. And uh, the music team, you know how it is, they're here early, they're playing, and I just came in, and I was feeling a little weak in the knees by the time I got there, so I just laid down on the stage. And in the background, they're playing, It Is Well With My Soul. <laughs> but it's, isn't that marvelous, you know? We played it at my mother's funeral, and that's what's going to be at mine, so. And I just laid there while they did that and sang that, and I just said, Lord, is this it? Are, are you calling? 
And that was a happy moment, I gotta tell you. The thought that the Lord is calling. It was really happy. It's not like, oh, my life flashed before my eyes. It didn't. The Lord flashed before my eyes, his face. It was profound. Ah, but then, no, you need to preach this message. This message. You do not know your life. The world is uncertain. It's not under your control. Be, live accordingly. Okay, I'll preach the message. So, you know, some of the other leaders come in. You know, the people who are early, they have responsibilities. And then some of the pastoral team. I'm not, I haven't been in the pastoral team for 10 years. Um, but uh, they came in and, and they were looking at me and, and apparently they could see my pulse was so intense in my neck. They could see it from a distance. It was just pounding. And it was super fast. And it was irregular. And they were like, okay, we're calling 911. It's like, no, not yet. Just pray that the Lord heals me because I really believe I need to preach this message. So they dragged me off to the... Um, um, the, the nursery was just like it was out the door in the back, right into the straight. And they dragged me. They laid me on the couch. This is great. And they gather around. They're going to pray. This was really cool because I knew the Lord was going to heal me because I need to pray. The, I need to preach the message. So they pray and pray, and you know, I open an eye, and you know, it's still them. It's not the Lord, but <laughs> and but nothing happened. Nothing happened, and I was really perplexed. I am sure that the Lord said, I want you to preach on this passage today, right now. And I was sure, and it didn't happen. And I was, I really was, I was confused. So I laid there, and I laid there, and finally they said, we're taking you to the hospital. Doesn't matter what you say. Okay, so they, you know, picked me, helped me, and dragged me. It's, and by then, the, the sanctuary was full, and that's kind of for the congregation that's sitting there quietly waiting, you know, when they drag the preacher through and then out the door, it's like, oh, we're taking them to the hospital. It's hard. Something's wrong. It kind of changes the atmosphere at church, right? It's not. And then suddenly you realize it's not going to be Sunday like every other Sunday. So what did they do? Well, I don't know. They started to pray. And what did they Lord, heal him. And so they... My son, Mike, he got, grabbed his car, he pulled it up, he was in the front, they put me in the front seat. Leslie, who's a nurse, was behind me, and she just had her hand reached around on my neck, uh, monitoring my pulse, which by then had been, Leslie says, over 20 minutes for sure, maybe more, and my heart was just tired, and it was, it was just slowing down, and, and the heartbeat, the, 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 the um, intensity, it was all, it was just, it was still arrhythmic, but it was just slower and slower and slower. And we've been underway for a little over five minutes. And finally she says, I, I, I can't find a pulse. And just at that moment, I was just going out. I could feel it. And then something clicked. And I just, and my heart went back into the rhythm. And I just sat up. And I looked around, and I said, all right, let's go back. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, that is not smart, by the way. It's not. You go to the hospital, you get all checked, right? D do not do this at home. Don't they say that at home? <laughs> do not do that. You go to the hospital, you get all checked out and things like that. But I, I, I need, I, the Lord wanted me, and I knew that, 
And Mike and Leslie, they looked at each other briefly, and they were, they were contemplative. And then they both said pretty much at the same time, yes, let's do that. That's what God wants. And, so, and that's hard for a wife, right? Isn't it? To, to do something like that? Because for me to say, you know, because if you're the patient, you're often in denial anyway about what's going on. It's the others around you say, no, no. But she said, along with Mike, and Mike did a UE and went, drove right back, and I walked in the door and, and uh, right along the side of the, of the platform here, and the people are like, what are you doing here? Who are you and why are you here? Well, what have you been praying? Well, that the Lord would heal you, but I mean, it's like, of course we're praying that, but who really believes that it's going to happen? I mean, even Peter, they were praying for Peter to get out of jail, and he gets out of jail. It's like, who are you? It can't be you. It's got to be your ghost. It's like, no, come on, it's me. Weren't you praying? Well, yes. It was that kind of experience. So you can imagine what that did to the congregation. And so I just got up. I in the, lost my notes in the transition. It didn't matter. And just preached. We do not know. You don't know what tomorrow is bringing. Your life is in God's hands. Be simply live Day to day, Lord, here I am. You are the good shepherd. Lead me, and I will follow. All your dreams, all your, it's okay to plan things and, and, and have goals and things. I'm not saying that. I do. But with the concept of, you know, but we don't know what's happening. And every day we get up, here I am. And, you know, the message... I share these points with you now. And he's like, yeah, that's good. That's important. But the context, you can imagine that, right? The context of just having been drug out and then walked back in kind of made people a little bit more alert than they tend to be on Sunday mornings. <laughs> you know what I mean? It created the environment that that truth had such an impact. And that was September 2019. And you know what's coming. The decade, the new decade, 2000. We usually start with a men's meeting, get the guys together. 2020, 2020 thank you. It was the new decade. And instead of saying, okay, guys, what is the Lord, what's the Lord laying on our heart for this year? We got together to think about what is the Lord laying on our hearts for the coming decade? And they asked me to prepare it because of all the things that have been going on and things that I've been thinking about and praying about. And the Lord really laid something on my heart. And it was, guys, and I stood there and I said, guys, in this decade, I really believe, going back to what I'd experienced with Ali and all that we'd prepared for, I believe in this decade there is persecution coming. I truly believe it in Austria that we will experience that. And what happens in persecution, and this is church history, it's every single time there's a persecuted church, you know what they do? It, it's going on in Iran right now. They can't put, and I heard this report last Saturday from the persecuted church, and they said, you can't put a million people in jail, so what do you do? You go through and you pick out the leaders, and you put them in prison. And the church then isn't, you don't meet anymore like this, big groups. They control that, and they close that down. And what do you do? You meet in house groups, small groups. And I said, guys, sometime I really believe this is what's going to happen. And so 
Every single one of us has to be prepared. You have to have the maturity to lead a house group. You have to have, you cannot, you cannot depend on really good ministers who are going to carry you and nourish you. You cannot be dependent on them. Otherwise, when they take them away, you'll collapse. Learn from them, grow from them, but become mature that every single person here would be in a position, how old, young, old, that you'll be in a position to lead one of these house groups. This was January of 2020. I had no idea that COVID was coming, but two months later, we were locked down. So what do you do? And life, church life, has never been the same quite, has it? And who knows if it ever will be? Who knows what's going to come tomorrow? A new variation? Do you know? I don't know. Nobody knows. Our government keeps saying, okay, in three months we're going to do this. We're, going to not, we're not going to do this. No lockdowns anymore. It's all over. We're locked down right now, right? Austria's, sorry. We're locked down. They said never again. And finally, it's like, what's with this never again? It's like, we didn't want to. We didn't think, but we don't. So what are you telling us? We're, we're tell, what are you telling us, government? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Really? Welcome to the human race. The idea that we can control our world is an illusion. It's, we've never been able to do that whether it's individuals or families or governments, the only thing we can do is to say, Lord, here I am. And we are prepared. We are prepared that things can change in an instant. And we just experienced that, didn't we? And at some point, I truly believe, there's going to be persecution. And that's the reason why they're going to take away guys like you and to say, okay, now how are they going to do without you? How will they do without you? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to stand up in that time and carry the work of the Lord? So that's where we're at right now, today. You say, well, you know, I'm not one of these great gifted people. No. And it's not about how gifted you are. It's about how great our God is. This whole story, this whole story that I've just told, it's all God, isn't it? Why us? Why the Waylands? Why Hauser? Why Kameno? God knows. It could have been others, couldn't it? And you think, and what is your part? Well, everyone has their part. This, the weaving together of all these stories and all the people, and as we celebrate this afternoon, as we celebrate Virginia's life, I was just reading something that Leslie got this morning from another woman that said, Virginia worked amazing, but she worked in more in the shadows, right? But without that, you know, Leslie and I are very public figures. Leslie's the public one in her family of, of her four sisters. But without the four sisters caring for their parents and their mother, we, would, we wouldn't have been doing the ministry in Austria we've been doing. So thank you, sisters who are spread out here.
before that. But it's true. It's true. Just because you're visible doesn't mean you're different or more blessed or more key. It's the whole group. That's why God's calling, God raised up a church and churches to send us. And they've done that. So you are part of something wonderful, whether you wanted to be or not. Sorry, but that's the truth. So hopefully you can draw blessing and encouragement and joy from that. Can you? Because you have been a blessing to us. But it's, it's not even about us. It's about Austria. It's about this whole county that has been touched. And when God worked in these women and they started praying for churches to send, that was in the 40s. When did you and Mel start? Here at Hauser? In the 60s. So they'd been praying 15 years before you even started with the idea that churches would be raised up to send. There you are. God's history, God's story. You didn't know that. You didn't know you'd be sending people to Austria years later. Who knew? God. God knows. God knows. Carry on. Carry on day by day. Living the life God wants you to live is simply day by day standing up and saying, Lord, here I am. You are the good shepherd. You lead. Can I pray for you and bless you? Will you stand? Is that okay, Dad? Lord God, Jesus, you're building your kingdom. You said that. I will build my church. And that's over the whole world in the last thousands of years. And one place is in Austria. And you promised you would, Lord Jesus. And you have been working uh, clearly in one instance that we understand since the late 40s in our county. And everyone that is here today is part of that or connected to that in one way or the other. Who knew you did? You are building your church. However you intend to use us, it's completely different. Some are visible, some are less. But everyone has a part. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for people like Virginia, who did so much so quietly. But without her and without others, it never would have happened. And Lord, I just want to bless you. And the Austrian church who knows about Hauser and Camino and their history for 33 years, they, in prayer, bless this church and these churches for sending. And this family for sending. And may your blessing rest upon them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you continue to build and you continue to use this. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you do. And nothing will stand against your plan to build your church. Here we are. Continue to use this. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. 
Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.